Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Jenty Show. Broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbow Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Jenty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. to the Beyond the Game podcast on Fishbowl Radio. My name is Jamie. It is it is June the 6th. It's June the 6th. June the 6th, 2023. And welcome, everyone. Welcome. Happy Tuesday to y'all out there, wherever you may be. Thank you for listening or watching. Now, so, so I'm going to recap Game 1 and Game 2 of the NBA Finals between the Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets. Now I want to give a shout out to um, Anthony Lewis out there. He uh, he uh, gave me something to read on. I think this morning. So I have not read it yet, but I am going to read and I'm going to respond to it, Anthony Lewis. So thank you for that. Now let's get to the nitty gritty. So Game One, um, I watched half of it. Um, total Denver domination. Denver dominated from the start to the point where Miami couldn't catch up. Miami was tired, fatigued. They they were just outplayed. Uh, you could say, "Hey, we got into a rough series against Boston, and we were not we were not prepared." And so that's Miami's excuse for game game one's effort. Now, uh, Gabe, I have to. He's not here today, and this is unbelievable that he's not here today because. He said Van uh bio last week is overrated. And then I was like and I and I and you know notice that I was quiet. I was quiet because you just said this man is overrated, but he's giving you twenty and ten every single night in the playoffs. How can you say that? And then I, I tried to talk to him yesterday and he's standing by it. Like, dude, he's literally giving you twenty and ten in the playoffs. In the NBA Finals game. I mean, game one didn't turn to a victory, but game two, it did. So whatever Bam is doing is working. Now, what was annoying about Bam's game is the, 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 the low post jump shots. You can't shoot a jump shot from the low post. You just can't do that. You can, uh, when you get in the post, you have to make one or two moves. You go up and under or you make a jump hook. Or, or better yet, a fadeaway jump shot. This, I, I don't, I, I just don't see any overration, overration of his game. I just don't see it. He's only going to get better from here. The man's only 25 years old. He's going to be in, he's going to be ending up leading that team whenever, uh, whenever his contract is up. Oh yeah, Shannon Sharp. That's, that's video too. Um, so. With that being said, uh, why, why? I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> and so, uh, Denver in game one, they pound the rock, they pound the paint, they were able to get shots from the outside. Now I want to dive myself into game two. Game two was a different story. Now game two, I watched this game not only in English, I watched this game in Spanish. And shout out to the great Fabricio Alberto there. He's a former Spurs player back in the 2000s, 2010s. 
he was calling the game last night. Well, not last night. Sunday night with with uh, Ernesto Horace. I can't I can't pronounce his name. I'm sorry. I watched the game in Spanish because I I mistakenly recorded the game in Spanish. I thought it was going to be in nonetheless. It was a great time watching it in Spanish last night because I wanted to see what the, these commentators were talking about. That's why I, I ended up watching it again. And Miami made some big adjustments. Miami was able to oppose their will physically all, all over the court. Now, Denver is not a low post team. Denver cannot drive to the basket. Jamal Murray was not aggressive. And I, I'm mad at Jamal Murray because we used to see that aggression in the, in the Lakers, Phoenix, and Minnesota series. He was attacking the basket. When you attack the basket, your jump shot opens up. And I just felt like in game two, he was forcing it a little bit, especially in the second half. He was a no-show in the second up until the fourth quarter. You can't. You can't show show up like that. What were you doing the first three quarters? You had everything going. You had bits and bits. You had spurts of good play. Then you got to the fourth quarter, and now you have to play catch up. That's what Denver. That's why Mike Malone said what he said, and I'm blaming him too. Mike Malone did not take accountability for this loss. It's funny when you, when you lose a crucial game, especially in the NBA finals, it's funny that you don't point, you don't point at you yourself. Malone had no place to stop Miami's offense. He had nothing to the point where they were just getting lucky plays off of Jokic's play. Jokic kept, kept them in the game with his, with his, with his ability to to initiate the 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 little matchups that Miami was throwing out, Miami is a small team. There is no there is no big guys that can that can that can bruise with Jokic down there. There's none. You could say Bam Adebayo and Cody Zeller, but those guys are not bruisers down low to match with Jokic's physicality. Jokic's physicality is is all unathletic and stuff and it works for him it works for him because he's able to manage it and nobody can stop that nobody in the NBA can stop that no one now you say you disagree with me and say hey you know we got this player that can stop it Eric Spolstra has tried there is no matchup to to get to Jokic there's none you can stop Jamal Murray with a bunch of guys like Kayla Martin Jimmy Butler uh, Gabe Vincent, a bunch of other guys, but not with Jokic. Bam's going to do what he's going to do. Cody Zeller's going to do what he's going to do. You see those matches when they when they were they were switching the pick and roll between Martin and Gabe Vincent. That was Jokic was eating them up all day long. That's why we we allow him to get forty one points. I'm not a Miami. I, I don't know why I said we, but. That's why he got 41 points because he can mix it inside and out. And this game, he got his points inside. Like there's nobody outside of Jokic and Murray. They don't have anybody. They couldn't depend on Michael Porter. They couldn't depend on Aaron Gordon. 
They definitely couldn't depend on KCP. KCP was fouling a lot. No one talked about that. KCP, every time he picked up a foul in game two, it's like he didn't, he, he didn't initiate contact with the person. And so I'm like, you're going through the screen and you're, you're getting a whistle, but yeah, you have the ability to argue with the official. You picked up, I don't know how many picked, I don't know how many fouls. I'm going to look real quick because this is unbelievable that he picked up a lot of fouls. He picked up, he fouled out in games two. You can't, you gotta play better defense than that. Your offense is, 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 is not realistic in this series. But your defense is. And the way you play defense in game two is, if you play like that throughout the rest of this series, you are not winning this series. You're not. And Denver has a short Brent bench. They don't go to, they don't, they have, they play three guys. Jeff Green, Christian Brown, Christian Brown, and Bruce Brown. They're not going to play anybody else outside of Christian Brown. That's the last person that would come off that bench. It's worked for Denver because they got to this point. But I will tell you, at some point, if KCP cannot play def- defense the right way, instead of going through players, you might have to sit him down. For Bruce Brown to be in the starting lineup. Bruce Brown can give you energy. Bruce Brown can give you the, all the hustle plays without fouling the, the defender. You can't foul like that. Or else you, or else you, or else there's a whistle for you. This is what, and I point the blame at coach and KCP. And let's hear from Mike Malone. Play Mike Malone first. <clears throat> Can you kind of, I don't figure out <laughs> why do you think your weren't Joker struggled scoring? I guess. Well, I don't think the that, that's the biggest question. Now let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting lineup to start the game is 10 to 2 Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. Um, and we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves or not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. Um, this is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals, that okay. and that to me is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And I asked the team, I asked that player, you guys tell me why we lost, and they knew the answer. Miami came in here and outworked us, and we were by far our least disciplined game of these sixteen or seventeen playoff games, whatever it is now. So many breakdowns, and they exploited every one of those breakdowns and scored. So. Um, if we're going to try to go down there and regain control of this series and get home court advantage back, we're going to have to outwork Miami, which we didn't do tonight, and our discipline is going to have to be off the charts. Okay, so you heard uh, Mike Malone talk about out-discipline and outwork Miami. Okay, I, I agree with him. However, you have to have additional plays in your pocket. 
to stop Miami's offense and try to match their physicality. Denver is not a physical team. Denver plays finesse. And I was sitting, I don't want to compare it to the Spurs team uh, back in 2014 because this is not it. I can't compare this type of effort to the Spurs. They don't play like it. (laughs) But it's interesting because, like I said, Mike Malone has to take accountability. Not only the players, I'm pretty sure they feel bad losing game two on their home court, but it's got to point to the coach first. The coach has to say, you know what? I didn't have any additional plays in my pocket. I Maybe I could have called a timeout was under 10 seconds left. The reason why is because uh, the, the momentum, rhythm, right? You call timeout, you allow the other team to set up their defense and their offense. Mike Malone, reason why he did not call a timeout, and I kind of agree with Tim Legler and, and Perk's points on the broadcast, on ESPN broadcast, is because Mike Malone did not have any plays in his pocket. That's why when they grabbed the rebound, that's why they told Jamal Murray to go. It was a bad shot. Let's keep it honest. It was a bad shot. Anytime you have to create some space to to take a step back three, it was a hand in your face with the best defender in the game, Jimmy Butler. That's a bad shot. It's a bad play call. Denver is saying we don't have any three point shooters on the court. Our best defender, semi best defender, fouled out. We don't have anybody outside of KCP to shoot the three. We don't have that. You can say Michael Porter Jr., but Michael Porter struggled. Jokic, Jokic is not a three-point shoot. Jamal Murray is not a three-point shoot. Jamal Murray can create and get to the basket, which he was not doing in the second half. He ran away from it in the first half. After they made that dunk, they, they said, okay, let's shoot jump shots. They forced him to shoot jump shots. And so... Was that last play, he said, I don't have any plays. <laughs> because Miami was eating them up. That's why people say Miami can win this series because of their physicality. Miami plays their own game. Denver plays their own game. They're not the Lakers. They're not the Boston Celtics. Denver is what they are. Miami is what they are. That's it. This is, this is the best finals Ever. And Mike Malone, for, for one more time, I'm going to take accountability. You need to point yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? It's my fault. We lost game two. I didn't have any plays. My rotation is short. I don't have anybody I can go outside of Christian Brown, Brown, even though he played well. I don't have any. KCP fouled out. He's going through shooters. Jokic gave me 41 points. There's nothing in this. He gave me everything. <laughs> I'm like, what else do you want, me, want the man to do? <laughs> While playing 42 minutes, Michael Porter played. had five points. Aaron Gordon had 12. Those two guys 
need to step up for game three and game four in Miami if you're going to give yourself a chance. Those two guys, remember what I said, Mike, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon have to step up for game three and game four. Because if those guys, especially Michael Porter, could, could shoot the ball, hell out the ball, if he's on a groove scoring 15 to 20 points, they win this game. They win game three and game four. You got to do it for two games in Miami on the road. Wow. They tried to take away Jokic's game. I guess you got to go to zone to take it away because that's the only way. Jokic is going to going to initiate his game outside, inside. You got to if he if it's going to be in the inside, you got to go zone. You got to go zone and make sure that you communicate in that zone so that the middle is covered, the middle is protected. Teams. Teams that play the zone on off uh, well on offense, they attack the middle, right? And the short corners. And also the corners. That's where Michael Porter Jr. comes in and shoots the, the hell out of the ball. He needs to be aggressive. So does Jamal Murray for game three and game four. If you're gonna give yourself a chance, you got to be aggressive. I mean Miami's throwing out five, six guys on the court. Jamal Murray needs to get back to the guy that he was in that series against the Lakers, the Suns, and the Timberwolves. The guy that was aggressive. The guy that said, I'm going to mix it up between the inside and the out. Aaron Gordon needs to be that guy on offense. He can, He's that guy on defense, but that guy on offense. Michael Porter needs to stop dribbling the ball to his, when, when it, this gets me, right? In order for yourself to be an accurate shooter, you have to mix your game up, game, get game up. Duncan Robinson is a shooter. Max Struess is a shooter, but those guys can get to the basket. Duncan Robinson did it in game two. Max, Max Struess started early. Majority of his shots were three-point shots. He gained some confidence from that. But I, I rest assured those guys will go inside given the opportunity. If a defender's coming at them, bad closeout, you don't dribble. You don't take one dribble to your right and then shoot the ball. That's an off. Hey, Seth Curry has done that. Seth Curry no has rhythm. Michael Porter Jr. does not. So, being 6'10 and 225, as you are, you can step in and take a mid, uh, take a mid-range jump shot. You can step in and do that. Instead of taking that one step three and you're breaking it. And that's why the results, you're five points, you're two for eight from the field in game two. That was the difference. <laughs> We're not, I, I, listen, I don't want to be the guy that critiques players game on offense because I'm not a three-point shooter. Duncan Robinson and Max Cruz are. Michael Porter is not a three-point shooter. Michael Porter is a guy that can get his own. Michael Porter easily can average 20 points a game. He can. He can. It's just it's just that he refuses to attack the rim. He's 6'10". 225. He can attack it. (laughs) 
and this is what this is what it is. So, so for me, if Denver is going to win game three and four on the road, you got to make sure that you start well, you end well, and then Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon have to come through on, on offense. If, like I said, if Michael Porter scores twenty points, Denver is winning that game. You're giving, you're putting the shoulder, you're putting, you're putting the shoulders off Jokic and Murray having, especially Jokic, to create. Because you gotta remember, Denver has a short bench. Denver's not going to, uh, DeAndre Jordan and Reggie Jackson or, in this case, uh, uh, Conchar. Neither of those, of those guys have played in any series. I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm not. I'm not wrong. But, I'm like, what is going on? Why, why did Denver take their momentum away out the game? They know they lost, but at the same time, coach has to take the blame for this once again. So I want that for Denver because I chose to win them. I chose them to win the series in six games and I'm still going to be right in the six games. Now let's go to Miami. Uh, Gabe Vincent had 23 points. Duncan Robinson had 10 huge points in the fourth quarter. Duncan Robinson had 10 huge points in the fourth quarter. He was huge. So was Max Struess. Max Struess started early and ended well. Max Struess had 14 points. Max Struess said a game to himself, after game one, I'm going to shoot the hell out of the ball. Now, those guys, like I said, are shooters. Those guys are going to continue to shoot till their arms fall off. People don't understand that. They don't understand basketball. Max Schuess was born a three-point shooter. Duncan Robinson is a three-point shooter as well. They're, that's why they're so deadly. <laughs> and they're going to be the reason why Miami will win the championship, will win this series. Because if those guys get hot, it's over. Gabe Vincent gets hot. It's over. Gabe Vincent can mix his game inside and out. And he's a true point guard. It's over. That's the type of help Jimmy Butler has. Bam Alibio, which Gabe said he's overrated. I wish he was here today. I, I could have grilled him. 21 points and 9 rebounds. This man had 26 and 10. In game one, game two, he had 21 and nine and a huge dunk. And I want to play that dunk again. I want to play it. I want to play it again so that, so that people will understand how Bam Alabama's game is. Play that dunk again. Under five now here on the fourth. Lowry with six to shoot. Paul Wolf Hope chasing with five fouls. Inside and a bio and a foul. What a pass and finish. The lead is 10 and a chance for a three-point play. The Heat have missed one shot here in the fourth quarter. Pick and roll action. Bam does a great job of setting the screen and rolling. Finishes at the rim with the contact. Grown man moved. By the big fella. Play that again. And Lowry a beautiful. Under five now here on the fourth. Lowry with six to shoot. Ball Wolf Hope chasing with five fouls. Inside, and a bio, and a foul. 
What a pass and finish. The lead is 10 and a chance for a three-point play. The Heat have missed one shot here in the fourth quarter. Pick and roll action. Bam does a great job of setting the screen and rolling. Finishes at the rim with the contact. Grown man move by the big fella. Okay. And Lowry, a beautiful pass for his third assist. So, okay, so, anyway, so that was a big play of the game, and that sealed the game for Miami. You can't call a better play than that, Eric Spolstra. That was great. That was fabulous. A pick and roll, a guy rolls to the basket, gets a duck, and the foul. This is why you don't hedge. You don't hedge at Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's not going to beat you. The guy who's rolling to the rim is going to beat you. In this case, Bam did. Bam beat you. He beat you along with other friends of his. And so, Bam beat you to the rim. Bam beat you this series. And so this is why it could be over. And I hate to say that. If Bam's playing like that, <laughs> good luck, Denver. Good luck. That's all I'm saying. You gotta defend better on the pick and roll. Miami was running that all night to the point where they were running slip screens for Max Schuess early. And that's why Max Schuess was hot. He was hot because we, we, they weren't communicating on the pick and rolls. Denver was it. It, you gotta do something to communicate. You gotta say, you know what? Let me go with Bam. Let me go with Bam. Oh, let me go with Max Drusso on the three-point line. You got to communicate, guys. This is why Miami can run their offense to their perfection. They are not an offensive sexy team. They're not going to put up 120 points, but they will defend you. With the guys that they have, oh, man, trust me. <laughs> and I didn't even pick Miami to win the series. But my, 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 it's not, it's not going to change. Denver has the upper hand. So, and I want to, I want to call out, we're going to basically roast Skip Bayless in about 20 minutes. Cause I have some, some heat on him. But anyways, I heard Undisputed yesterday and I was saying to myself, and they said they played without Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin, the series. Okay. Fine. You say that, Skip Bayless. You are wrong. Jimmy Butler is playing decoy this series. He's letting his uh, guys are open. He has help around him. And these guys don't average 20 points a game. These guys are just spot up shooters and they make the right plays. They are locked in. They don't need Jimmy Butler scoring. They don't need it. You have Seuss. You have Gabe Vista. You have Bam. You have Kyle Lowry who's playing like a dog on the, on defense. You have Caleb Martin who's up for a contract. You have all those guys that I mentioned. Duncan Robinson's driving now to the basket. Max Struess has got his game going. Like, Jimmy Butler don't need to score 20 points, Skip. He has help. <laughs> he has help. He don't need it. Now, when those guys struggle, then yes, Jimmy Butler will be called upon. He'll make his place. But they don't need it. <laughs> those guys will win the MVP. And by the way, he just walked by. 
And it's like, dude, you can't, <laughs> you can't make this up. And I want to give all the credit to the world to Eric Spolscher. Eric Spolscher will never win any type of award. He'll win championships. He'll win all over around. But this guy will, 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 should be in the conversation for NBA coach of the year. His teams don't perform well in the regular season, but he gets it done in the playoffs. He's been doing this ever since he was in his twenties. And this is why this, he's done it with great talent. He's done it with less talent. This is a less talented roster. This is a less talented team. Jimmy Butler is not a scorer. Jimmy Butler is a defender. He started his career as a defender and he in, and now he's a scorer. He's still not a scorer to this day. With that being said, he's just making plays. Eric Spolstra is the, the key to that. And I want to play a clip of Eric Spolstra, uh, giving Jimmy Butler, not Jimmy Butler, but Jokic all the praise in the world. And we'll speak, we'll speak on it on the other side. Let's play that clip. Is that playing? Okay. Oh, so anyways, but yeah, we're, yeah, we'll, we'll get that clip here in a second. So Eric's, like I said, Eric's Bush is the smartest coach in, 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 in the NBA. I just don't know why this man would never get his praise, never get his flowers at all. <laughs> I just don't get it. What can you say about a man that gets a lot of praise? That, 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 that makes adjustments on the fly, gets his teams ready. Like I said, he's done it with great talent. He's done it with less talent. And I'm like, dude, this, this man is, needs to win an NBA coach of the year at some point. At some point. It's, it's just a regular season award of that, of the NBA coach of the year. They will never give it to you in the playoffs. I just don't know why. They will never do that. Even though he's, he's out coaching Malone. Okay, let's play that clip now. I have a question on the left. Hey coach, good morning, Sean ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just, that's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Uh, and we he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Play it again. Play it again. 
Yeah. Final question on the left. Hey, Coach. Ramon Ishani, ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just that's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say... Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Uh, and we he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Okay, so was that so that was Coach Spostra talking about how to stop Jokic, and honestly. He doesn't have an answer, but it's okay because you can make him one-dimensional. You allow Jokic to get get his points because he's that talented. I never seen a player this player try stop another player. This is like this is kind of like Shaq back in the day. I don't want to compare Shaq to Jokic. Shaq is different than Jokic. Athletic. Athletically, he is. And so, um, <laughs> you have to understand that back in the day, in their 20, 2000s, they couldn't stop Shaq. No one in the world didn't have, uh, didn't have a world. Even Yao Ming, who was taller than Shaq, couldn't stop Shaq. Okay? Jokic, seven foot, 285, Cannot be stopped. He's going to get his points for all around. He controls that offense, literally. He has the ball in, hand, all in his hands 99.9% of the time. Eric Spostra is trying. He's throwing players out here. Cody Zeller did his best, but Jokic is going to find a way. Bam is trying, but Bam can only do so much. It was their limited depth. What can you do? What can you do? How do you stop Jokic? Kevin Garnett put it easy. Kevin Garnett said you got to hit him up top. Now, he, he was making a joke about it because in the NBA, early days when he was in the NBA, when Kevin Garnett and all those guys were playing in the NBA, in order to stop a big man, you hit him up top. You hit him early to throw off his balance. Now, I don't know how you stop that. It's like trying to stop, uh, trying to stop LeBron. You can't hit LeBron early because LeBron will flop. And I don't say LeBron disrespectfully flops. Well, actually, I'm not trying to disrespect LeBron. But that's the only game that I don't like about it. I said LeBron flops. And how can you be 265 and all that muscle and you flop? But like I said, I'm not trying to disrespect. I love LeBron. I love to his death. No one in the NBA can defend him. No one. No one. You literally got to make him a jump shooter. That's how you stop him. But you can't stop. But when he's going full head onto the basket, which he can do every single possession, you're not going to stop that. Period. Let's be honest. And Gabe knows that. Even he can't stop LeBron. LeBron can stop himself. But Jokic, in order for. For order for him to be stopped, 
on the bench if he's if he's in foul trouble. And he's not going to pick up cheap fouls in this series like he did in, in the Lakers series. And they won. They were able to win that series because they were, Denver was able to run their offense. They were getting paid. They were being patient, finding the right shots on offense. When you have Bruce Brown that can mix it up on the bench, play defense, get into the basket, shoot floaters, it, it, it makes it look great. And so that's why I advocate for Bruce Brown or Christian Brown to be in the starting lineup for game three and game four if KCP can't get it, can't get it, can't get it, um, I can't find that word, can't get it right. So Coach Bostra, his keys for my keys, game three, game four, is uh, I think – in the interest of Jokic, I think you need to still play man. And I know they're going to mix it up between if you make, if Denver makes it or misses it. If they miss a shot, they're going to play man. If they, if they make a shot, it looks like they're going to play zone. If Miami makes a shot, they're going to play zone. Uh, to throw Denver's balances off. And I think you can throw their balance off if you play zone. And, and zone, and zone keeps you out of foul trouble. It, let's be honest here. It keeps you out of foul trouble. Everybody that knows basketball, when you play zone, it keeps you out of foul trouble. Period. If you if you're running a short bench, which Denver is versus Miami, Miami's throwing five guys off the bench, and their deep depth is deep. And so, um, with that being said, everyone says everyone says Miami has the upper hand for game three and game four. Now, if they were they were down o two, then I'll say. Denver's got it, but I don't know yet. I don't know if – I said – I know I said the Nuggets in six, but I don't know. Going back to Miami and then having to deal with – not only was the crowd, having to deal with the energy from the players, the lesser of distractions, Denver's got their work cut out for them. Mike Malone's got to figure out ways to come up with plays for his players. They got to figure that out. And I hope they do. But Coach Bush is the best in the business. He's been, remember, he's been on that team since for 20 plus years. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Like, we're not, like, we're not blind to this. Jimmy Butler's not blind to this. You know, this is why they play for Coach Bo. And this is less of a talent Miami team. Let's be honest. They won't believe in the Miami, but us, we see it. And they make up for that talent by making smart plays. You got Max Juice shooting the ball for three. Duncan Robinson mixes his game between inside and out. Jimmy Butler finding his spots to score. Bam Albaya being aggressive to the rim. Kyle Lowry playing excellent defense. Hitting timely shots. Caleb Martin. I feel like Caleb Martin was getting his win back. Once he gets his win back, that's another piece. Kevin Love. We can't forget Kevin Love. Kevin Love had his best game in, in, uh, to me. He has best game in game two. Even though he not play a lot, his minutes were good enough for a victory. I'm like, and Cody Zeller, we can't forget about that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, 
Eric Spoelstra is one of my favorite coaches in the NBA. He's my second favorite. My first is Pop, obviously. Now, when he's gone, Eric Spoelstra will be, I, well, I, I'll still say Pop is my first, but Eric Spoelstra is up there too. And Eric Spoelstra will go down as a top 10 all-time Hall of Famer coach, no matter what happens. No matter what happens. So, my keys for, like I said, my other key, my other key is Caleb Martin comes back, gets his win on it. I don't think Miami will change their starting lineup because they played both Kevin Love and Bam. It used to be Caleb Martin and Bam because they went with four guards. Why well, Caleb Martin is technically a guard, but he's not, he plays no multiple positions. Uh, if they, if they go with four ball handlers in their starting lineup from Miami, which I, think they may it depends on the matchup depends how Caleb Martin is feeling in the the mat the mat Miami started well with that matchup they started well was putting Kevin Love and Bam in that starting line they started well well but if it were me I go with set lineup I wouldn't change it even if you lose either game three or game four it had to go back to Denver well you, you have to go back there anyways I wouldn't change that starting lineup. Now, Denver, on the other hand, may have to. If KCP cannot give you the defense, if he can't give you offense, basically, you might have to change it up. I think Bruce Brown is a, Bruce Brown is a better defender than KCP. Let's be honest here. That's my takes on game three and game four. Now it's on Wednesday and Friday, the same game. And this is interesting to me because I was watching softball this weekend while everybody was, uh, invited me to stuff. I couldn't go because not only I was watching softball, I was, I had a lot of marketing. Well, actually I had a marketing call, a marketing call. This weekend, this past weekend that I had to go to. So I, so I gave up everything to not only tune into this series, but to, but to, uh, well, what was it? We'll get into softball a little bit. And so I have a decision to make. Do I watch softball or do I watch the NBA finals? I can watch, I can record softball and watch it on a different day. I could definitely record the NBA Finals. I can watch that on a different day as well. But I'm watching the NBA Finals live. Because this is going to be good. This is a great series. There's no other better matchup out there that we could have we could have asked for other than this one. So, that's my takes. So, in game tomorrow night, we'll just see what happens. But I have a nervous feeling about Denver now. Now, let's switch gears. Everybody's been speculating. It's true now. Everybody's doing their little videos. And speaking of the weekend, I watch a bunch of clips on Shannon Sharp. I pretty much watched that clip when they were arguing back and forth back in 2022 10 times, 10 plus times. 
when Skip takes personal shots at you, how do you respond? This man is a Hall of Famer, a three-time Hall of Famer. Well, actually, a three-time Super Bowl champ. A Hall of Famer. Played 13, 14 seasons in the league. Um, one, uh, top 10 best tight end in the league. Top 10 tight end in the league all time. I'm talking about Shannon Sharp here and his media career is fabulous. He knows his takes. He knows his football. And last week it came down to the point where he agreed was a buyout was Fox. And I heard on a podcast, Stephen A's podcast that he may be moving to e- 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 well, Stephen A is trying to recruit him to go to ESPN. And I said the and I don't know how that's gonna work. Shannon was Shannon was getting used to the five days a week. I don't think he's gonna do it one day a week. I think it has to be five days a week for him. He can talk basketball, he can talk football, all that stuff, man. On first take. But Stephen A went with a rotational guy. So they have JJ Reddick, during the back, uh, Jay, Jay Williams. They have, uh, Chris Maddog Russo. They have a bunch of NFL guys. Ryan Clark, uh, that's a lot. There's a lot of NFL guys that come in every now and there during the week, during the football season, during the basketball, even in, in the off season. They got a lot of guys. And so with that being said, what do you do? What what do you tell those guys? Do you just say, hold back, let's put you on a different episode? ESPN does not have that space. ESPN does not have that space to add a full-time guy. The first take guy is, the first take, what they have is working now. Their ratings have gone up. My interest level has gone up to the point where I want to hear different takes on different days. Outside of Stephen A. Smith takes on a five-day basis. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what's best for for Shannon Sharp at this point in time. It came as a shock. Your whole viewership is going down the drain Fox you don't know that you don't know that because you play a useless guy that can say whatever he wants the bad and disrespect players former athletes in front of their faces that's why nobody wants to work with Skip because he wants to disrespect your accolades when it gets personal, but yet he will pre- appreciate Tebow. He will appreciate Tom Brady, but not LeBron. Even to the point where you disrespect uh, LeBron's child, which Brian James is going to USC. And I said to myself, LeBron is going to be blamed by Skip Bayless, whatever he does for the rest of his life. Period. But yet, when it comes to Tom Brady, 
you have his back. When it comes to Tebow, Tim Tebow, you have his back. Whatever Tebow does, he ha- he ha- those guys, you have his back. But the guy that's in the cross of you, the guy who is a media champ, the guy who has his own podcast, which I love, the guy that 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 made Fox great, that brought his viewership up during the week because because Fox is a is is Fox is a weekend show, a weekend channel. We we watch a bunch of NFL and college football games there, and now we don't get to see that anymore. Who wants to work with Skip? And. I think this set it off back in January. Let's play that clip from January, please. No, no, no. Play the uh, play the Shannon Sharp clip. There was there should be one in there. Okay. Forty-five. When you had to stop at thirty-five. That's what you. That's do. the point. That's what you do every time. Somebody. Every time I call something in a question, I'm jealous. No, Skip, I did. No, what I, I never did. said you were jealous of Baker Mayfield. Skip, I did what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay, I so got three what? Super Bowls. So what? So what? He's way better than you were. I'm better way than you. Better. Skip, what I see what you do. You take personal shots. No, for I, don't, I don't take personal yeah. shots. Oh, you time started time it. Time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I didn't so take a personal shot at you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You would take a personal shot. Put your glasses back on. Can I finish? You're willing to take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year? Well, because you 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 just Go ahead. You disrespect him. It's it's just so it, So it's you would just you know what? It's beneath your you dignity. You would disrespect me to no. support him. No, well I'll, I'll support him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your it. game and it's by have far. It. Have it. Okay? Take off, I'm gonna have that. So you heard the clip. That was, um, that's not from January. I'm sorry. I, I, I misspoken. So that was from, from the 2022 season. Um, they were talking about Tom Brady, uh, being better than Shannon Sharp. And that's untrue because Shannon does his time in, in the league. Um, Skip, when you take personal shots at former athletes, don't don't you're expecting athletes to not respond. This is why no one was was a work was a worthless fool. He's worthless, and I say that in a positive way because we have kids outside the door. I I don't want to say that. I don't want to say what I want to say. If you hear background noise, that's kids outside of the outside of the venue. But anyways, so with that being said. Nobody wants to work with this is why Fox is is reeling right now. They're trying to find a replacement. You can't find one. Marcel's wife on his podcast last week mentioned eh, well, there was a report last week. They said LaShawn McCoy. They brought his name up. And I said, LaShawn can't work like that. LaShawn's even work well, he's not even worse. He's new to the media game. And I think with me addition, I need media work. So does he. Because I think he's in that player mode and saying, you know what? Maybe I can do this. But LaShawn does not work like that. 
I don't know what he does. I don't know how he works. But he cannot initiate a conversation with Skip. I don't think he, he can keep up with the topics at hand. That's the problem. Your focus is on, on other things, but you can't keep a topic up. That's first, that, that's, and he's going to disrespect your career. He's going to bring up all the accolades and add that one black hole in your career and bring up all the negative stuff to make Tom Brady and all those Baker Mayfield guys look good. Tom Brady is an all-time great. Let's not disrespect him on this show. I'm not, he's fabulous. He's great. And I hope that whatever he does with the Raiders, he's going to do a fabulous job in that organization. Baker Mayfield, on, on, on the other hand, is garbage. He's a bum. He's got, he's trash. You rather go after that guy? Versus Shane Sharp, a three-time, a three-time champ, a Hall of Famer. What is wrong with you? And then another thing is, you disrespect your own team. Not only the coach's weight, but Dak's personal stuff. Anytime a player talks about her, her, her mental health, you gotta take that into account. You gotta take that seriously. This is why we can't work with him. This is why Fox is struggling. They put Emmanuel Acho's name. No, Emmanuel Acho does not work like that. Joy Taylor, no. She cannot do that because she has different views than Skip. It's not worth the money or the time. They are comfortable where they're at. Then they brought up um, Michael Irvin. And you know my personal feeling about Michael Irvin it is not only Michael Irvin, I love him. I just wish that case, I, I just wish these networks don't take to account of public pressure. Because why ESPN and the NFL network are not, uh, they're not adding him right, they're not believing him right now because of the public. And you're saying I'm wrong. It's the public's decision. But yet, you don't make it about what he's bringing you to the table. My Monday was filled with laughter, even though it was boring and dull on Mondays. When Michael Irvin hit first take, I said it's going to be a fabulous Monday. Because Michael Irvin is going to protect the Cowboys brand, and he's going to bring uh, NFL Light, a former player on that show, but it's unfortunate that that case happened. He didn't do anything wrong. Everyone saw the tape. That was months ago. That was months back. He did nothing wrong. And I hope he comes back. But with Skip Bayless, it's not going to work like that. And I, and it, it will throw the, it will just make my head hurt if Michael Irvin is on that show with Skip, if he's approached. By Fox to be on with, be on with Skip Bayless. I don't think he'll work that way. I don't think that it will work out like that. Because not only Skip talks basketball, he talks football and he disrespects your career in front of your face. It brings up all your accolades to the table. Like it, like it matters 
But sometimes they know that. They know that. This is why you don't have guests. This is why you have sometimes people that can deal with it. They can't deal with you, Skip. You got to change. And at this point, he will never change in his career. He's, you're asking a 71-year-old man to change right now. He's been like this for 30-plus years. He was there on ESPN. He's been the same dude. You can't get rid of the money that Fox is paying him. You're not going to – he can say all the things he wants and not – and not and not back it up with facts. <laughs> it is unbelievable, and they're struggling. If you can't find someone by, let's say, June the fifteenth, and that is, if I'm doing my math right, that is Game Six. That will be Shannon Sharp's last day. If if if. They go to game six. Cause you gotta remember, they said after the NBA finals is over, he will leave. And now you're going to debate with a moderator. Fox has their work cut out for them. Who's going to replace that? Who's going to replace Shannon Sharp? Seven seasons on that show. Having to deal with a guy that disrespects players in front of them. There's a bunch of things that, that got Shannon Sharp to negotiate at buyout last week. That was part of it. That video we played, that was part of it. You can say DeMar Hamlet. You can say a lot, a lot of other things behind closed doors. Skip may be a respectful guy, but if he is, then who wants to work with him? It's not going to work out like that. It will never work out like that. Ever. So, so I don't know where Shannon will go. I don't know what other sports venue, sports channel, because I feel like if, if you you go to ESPN, there's a bunch of sports they're playing right now. They have basketball, they have football, college football, um, what else? They have baseball, everything. The World War Leader, right? Fox has, Fox has everything too, but Fox does not have the NBA. Fox has college football, the NFL, they have, um, these minor football leagues, they have, they don't have softball. They don't have, they have baseball. They don't have college baseball. They, they, they don't even have pickleball. Uh, so I don't know what other sports media outlet he's trying to go to. Maybe he just wants to take a step back and breathe a little bit. And we're not, don't report these random YouTube channels that everyone's subscribing to. That's getting a bunch of views that says, you know what? Skip may go to ESPN. I'm sorry, not Skip. Shannon may go to ESPN. That's a maybe. That's a maybe. The key word is maybe. But Shannon has not said where he's going to go. And he has not given any hints of where he's going to go. So let's stop and let men 
breathe. Let's let Shannon breathe. This is seven seasons he's dealt with a guy that that's been disrespecting him. Has been not even a, a, a debate, and this is why their ratings are sinking because of that. I mean, I'm pretty sure Shannon saw the numbers and said, "I gotta leave, guys. We're not produ- We're not. We're not making progress." And I always want the honest truth from players, former athletes, about why they left. Of course, someone's going to mix around and say, hey, they left because of this. They left because of this opportunity. Okay. Let's be honest. So I don't know. I, I, I wish I had the answer. I wish I had a prediction. I don't know. I just want him to breathe a little bit. He left at the right time. Yes. But I, I, he's going to leave at the right time. <laughs> and until we find that, find, find, until Fox has that, they're always going to be down in the drain. They're, might as well just show a bunch of college football highlights. That's what you're good at. You might as well just show a bunch of NFL stuff. That's what you're good at. Your brand's going down. <laughs> Who's going to work with Skip? Where does Shannon go? ESPN has a stack filled of lineups. They have NFL Live. They have a bunch of other things. It's just too much. It's just too much right now. And if you got to ask someone to leave, you're not going to do that. ESPN allows you to leave on your own. Now, remember, they just added Pat McAfee. That's another upgrade. That's another upgrade to loaded ESPN talent. And that's in the, that's this fall. Well, is it this fall? I think it's this fall. Yeah, it's this fall. So, does Shannon have his work get cut off from him? Yes. But at least we don't have to hear nonsensical stuff from Skip Bayless when he's talking to a three-time Hall of Famer. Oh, D-time. Champ! I, I, a Hall of Famer, indeed. Now, that's my little spill. I want to take a break. But... Is that enough video? I think we have enough videos. Okay, that's enough. Okay. Coming up next, let me get into the top 10 coaches. We had a bunch of coaches hired over the last week. Two of them, actually. I'm going to give you my takes on them. And who's under pressure for this upcoming season, the 2023-2024 season? Now, the Raptors have not, are not, are, have not had a coach yet. But if it's, is it coming? We'll see on the other side. It's Fistball Radio, Beyond the Game. What's poppin'? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad bitch in the friend zone. This shit sound like an intro jet song, give me that tempo. Told pool, he'll fool with the shit. Told her, don't let her friends know. In the building, I move like a dime. Even fettuccine of Vincenzo's. 
Me and my amigos got that free smoke on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm talking about pre-rolls. Dark hair bitch, she look like she go. She do. Hometown hero, feeling myself, can't murder my ego. She heard my deep stroke. She said, babe, does it hurt when I deep throw? Certified freak hoe, hang around us and she learning my lingo. Back then, wasn't worried about me though. In the gym, trying to work on my free throw. Goddamn. Spending money at the club like Sam's. Yes, ma'am. She a little freak on cam. She don't put this on the ground. Little boys try this on the ground. I can't switch on the fan. Shit's hot, hit the switch on the fan. This where my head is. I feel resentment from every direction. Even some homies be wearing expressions. I be discouraged from sharing my blessings. We used to share a connection. Now it just feels like it's wearing and stretching. I'm getting real sick of taking advice from people that never could stare at reflections. Somewhere in there is a lesson. Y'all ain't evolving, it's very depressing. I'm at the club with the basketball team. Me and the Cardinals are sharing a section. Gotta cherish the present. I'm drinking water and wearing protection. Got a career and I'm very invested. Some people call it a scary obsession. I like to call it a passion. I can't be sitting relaxing. PG, we getting some traction. I'm at the venue, it's packed. In. I'm digging her accent. I got a BB Simon belt on me, and she trying to get it unfastened. That's my type of distraction. That's my type of she Latin. Got my own flow, and I'm about to get a patent. Brand new sheets for the bed they sat in. Y'all wasn't tuned in back then. My swag, they keep jacking. I ain't doing no verse, quit asking. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options, I can pass that bitch like Stockton Just joshing, I'ma spend this holiday locked in My body got rid of them toxins Sports in the top ten
and let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest. Like a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex. We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass him be. The state where you never find a dance floor empty and pimp speed. On a mission for them greens. Leave me money making machines serving fiends. I've been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes. Ever since honeys was wearing sassoon, now it's 95 and they clock me and watch me diamond shining, looking like I'm Rob Liberace. It's all good, from Diego to the Bay. Your city is the bomb if your city making pain. Throw up a finger if you feel the same way. Straight putting it down for California, yeah. Love Cafe Radio with your host, Jazzy. For your appetizers, you'll get... Um, welcome, everyone. Now, <clears throat> it's okay. <clears throat> so here we go. So my top 10 coaches are under pressure for the 2023-2024 season. Okay? So, like I said, five new coaches are in, are in the NBA right now. Um, they're on my list. Yep, they're on my list. And they're under pressure. Some of them are. Some of the current coaches in the league are under pressure as well. 
So let's start with Frank Vogel, number one. Frank Vogel, in three seasons with, with the Lakers, 127-98. He's a 2020 NBA champ with the Lakers in the bubble. Um, can, can, He's the coach of the Phoenix Suns now. Can you make Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker play defense? Chris Paul is 38 years old and on his last legs in the NBA. You're going to make that man play defense. You're going to make that man fight for a championship ring at 38 versus two years ago when Monty Williams was there. That was his only chance. And now you're saying this man can bring a championship back to Phoenix. I'm like, what? Well, first of all, Phoenix has never won a championship. So there's nothing there in Phoenix. Phoenix, he'll get the best out of them in Phoenix. He'll, he'll do a fabulous job. But championship? Nah. Nah. I, I, I think he'll last more. I went, I don't, I don't want to say those things, but this is unbelievable. Let's play a clip from Stephen A giving Frank Vogel some type of praise, but not a whole lot. Frank Vogel are finalizing a five-year deal to make him the franchise's next coach, delivering him the opportunity about who they acquire and put on that roster for him to coach. What they have is not enough for him to get them to the finals. I can tell you that much. Not with Denver still in this conference for years to come, but obviously uh, they need additional personnel. But let me say this about Frank Vogel, okay? Okay. Frank Vogel's a good coach. And a lot of people gave him a bad rap to some degree. Let's be re- let's be very very clear. The man knows how to coach defense. He's been to three conference finals, a finals, and he's won an NBA championship. He won 58% of his games in the 6 years he was in Indy. He won about 56% of his games the 3 years that he was in Los Angeles. He obviously felt like he should have been there. He felt shafted when he was when he was let go by Jeannie Buss and the Los Angeles Lakers and he's got a chip on his shoulders and he's out to prove and remind people what a quality coach he is. It remains to be seen whether he'll pull that off or not, but having Kevin Durant and Devin Booker as your cornerstones for your franchise is certainly a good way to go. But the man does know how to coach a little bit. He's not a scrub coach. He's not ignorant. He knows what he's doing. It's going to be really interesting to see. I'm glad that he got this opportunity for himself. He does have some things to prove, uh, but I do think that they, it really doesn't come down to him. It comes down to who James Jones or whomever else Ishbia puts in that position, who they're going to put on that roster surrounding Devin Booker and KD because clearly they let go of a lot of bodies, probably won too many bodies, uh, which had a lot to do with why they got they went home early. Okay, so you heard from Stephen A. Um, I agree with him. I I I definitely. I it, it, but however, he should have never left Los Angeles. Like I said in the last, the last uh, segment. Public pressure dictates what, how the NBA society changes. So, with that being said, when the Lakers struggled in 2022, they went with Darvin Ham. Now, Darvin Ham could be a great coach, 
Could be, but he's not there yet. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I don't think he will be there with the type of talent that he has. He's not a better coach than Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel literally bought the franchise back to their glory days. It's just that public pressure like got in the way. Now you can easily say LeBron got in the way. You can say Anthony Davis got in the way. But Anthony Davis has been the same dude ever since he got out of college. His best playing days are way behind him. But he's gone on record and, 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 and he'll get the, like I said, he'll get the best of players. KD will actually, will, will be, will, his defense will be a little bit better. Devin Booker as well. Uh, Chris Paul as well. It could be his last chance to fight for a championship. And the biggest key in the world is DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton at this point, you're 24 years old. You got to get it right or get out. That's, that, that, that's, that's what it is. If you can't be real with yourself, you weren't real with Monty Williams, you're, you're going to be real with Frank Vogel. The organization believed you over Monty. Let's be on, let's be, let's be, let's be real on that. They believe Aiton over, uh, Monty. Monty has went, won a bunch of games, won a, won an, an award, brought Phoenix back to existence. And you worry about a guy, a useless guy. Useless that can't post up. Get that guy, brute, uh, got, that got bullied by Jokic. Teammates are asking him to play basketball. But they'd rather believe Aiton over Monty. And this is why Monty had them. It's one player's ego that got in the way. One. The owners, the owner could have easily ignored that and said, kept Monty, got rid of Aiton, traded Aiton. You had that ability. James Jones had signed off on that. This is the owner's decision to hire Frank Vogel. James Jones didn't sign on it, on it, off on it. I, I, I don't know him personally, but I, I, I know in that front office, he did not sign off off that. It was the owner that did that. The owner did that crap. I'm not saying Frank Vogel's a bad hire. I like, I kind of like it, but I felt like there could have been somebody else. Then you got Kevin Young. Kevin Young, oh man, he, he, he could have gone elsewhere. He could have got a head coaching job elsewhere. And I hope he does get a head coaching job elsewhere. I thought he was going to get this one. I thought Phoenix will, will be able to hire within because you, you make him a full-time coach. You haven't lost anything. You might change bits, pieces there. Instead of just trying to change your whole tra- trajectory of your, of the offense and the defense, you have Kevin Young, who is one of the best young assistants in the league. And they convince him to stay in Phoenix. They upgrade his salary. He could have taken the, the head coaching job at any of these spots. He could have gone on and, and been, been, been an assistant coach with Mont, was along with Monte Williams in Detroit. He's that talented of a coach. They convinced him to stay. Wow. 
I'm like, okay. Interesting. Well, we just got to see what happens. And Frank Vogel, unfortunately, he's under pressure for the 2023-2024 season. I'm doing this early because you got to rem- remember the season starts in October. So, doesn't hurt to do things early, right? <laughs> so, number two, Monty. Speaking of Monty, Monty Williams is my second one. And I hate to put him on the spot, but he's under pressure in Detroit because Detroit has not won in a long time. I remember in, tw- in 2004, the bad boys of Detroit Pistons. Those were their best years. It was Chauncey Bills, Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Lindsey Hunter. Uh, am I missing anyone? Charlie Villanueva. Yeah, I'm trying to say that a hundred times. That was their team back in, in the 2000s. They haven't been relevant. And you bring Monty with a bunch of young, look at their roster. Like you got Marvin Bagley who, who is, who he, who's, who has to have a second chance. Because I thought he'll be the face of Sacramento when he was drafted back in 2016. Actually, well, I'm mixing my years right. Outside of DeMarcus Cousins, he fell out. Now is is his chance in Detroit. Then you got James Wiseman, who was the second pick in 2021. James Wiseman has fell out, guys. This this guy has is this guy is not going to be. In the league much longer, unfortunately. And I hate to say that. I'm being honest. Jaden Ivey. Another young stud. Cade Cunningham. Another young one. Who can't stay healthy. And I don't think his... Ba- when you can't stay healthy, you're, you can't focus on basketball. Well, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. When you don't stay healthy, your focus is away from basketball. Your focus is on not only trying to get better, your focus is on other things that you want to do. That's why your game has fall off every time you come back from injury. And Kata Cunningham is no exception to that. I think Monty will do a fabulous job over there, trying to get uh, the younger players back engaged. Because Detroit has not won in a long time. (laughs) It's been years. I just don't want veterans like Corey Joseph or Alex Burke to sit on the bench and try to coach these guys because I don't like they can still play basketball. I just don't like that for them. They're not used to they're not the Blake Griffiths or the Udonis Hazard or better yet, Reggie Jackson's of the world. They're, and I bring up those names because those are the guys that are sitting at the end of the, of the bench trying to coach the younger guys. Udonis has, has done a fabulous job in this league, and he's doing a fabulous job coaching these younger guys. They don't get any playing time. Blake Griffin is just a dancer now. Reggie Jackson is just a homebody. Reggie Jackson, he, he, he started becoming irrelevant in his, in his Clipper days. That's why they got rid of him. For someone better, someone that's passionate about basketball. So we need that passion back in Detroit. Detroit said, we're going to go all in with Monty Williams. He's going to be our coach, and that's that. We're going to pay him a lot. We're going to get him back on track. We're going to produce him with younger players. He's going to get them engaged again. 
Engagement. That's the key. Engagement has to be for Detroit. These younger guys, could be the face of the league. We got it. When, when John Morant is messing up in the world, younger guys like Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey could be the face of that league. He could take that throne from, from Morant and become that face. I'm not saying he could be the face of the league, but they have a chance. They can outthrown them, uh, Memphis and the younger got teams of the league. They can do that. But it comes with time. And and it won't be long till Monty gets them back to relevancy. But the key word is engagement. I want to write that down for Detroit. Engagement. Um Frank Vogel's word will be Buy-in. So I got buy-in for Frank Vogel. I got engagement for Detroit. Oh, I like this. Buy-in for Frank Vogel. Engagement for Monty Williams. And both of those guys will do a great job. Number three, Nick Nurse. He is the coach of Philly. He's a 2019 NBA champion with Toronto. Uh, that's with Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, and all of them. Uh, Pascal Siakam, for one. He works well with superstars, undrafted free agents, draft picks. Uh, and B will see his scoring go down from 29, well, actually from 30 points a game to 23 points a game. So we don't know what Nick Nurse is going to run. His offense is going to run. But his offense, to me, if I could paint a picture, if I could paint a picture of what his offense is going to be, it's got to be consistent. That's my other word. Buy-in, engagement, consistency. What worked in Philly has to stay working in Philly. And the only thing is that he's going to tweak some things up. Maybe get them past the NBA, past the conference semifinals. Um, what was Philly thinking about this hire? You got to remember. His 2019 days are behind him. You have Kawhi Leonard now that won it out after 2019. And literally he can do whatever he wanted to. That's why he's not performing well with the Clippers. That's another story for a different day. But you got to remember this man uh, had his team in the back by in the playing last year. Well, last, this, up uh, this past last season. And did not, did not meet expectations, did not do well. And so he took the initiative and said, you know what? If I'm not going to produce, I'm going to resign. Or I'm going to force their hand and we're going to mutual, mutual, mutually part ways. That's it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to part ways. We're going to get rid. Uh, we're going. I'm going to go to a different team. I'm going to sit out a season. And I feel like, speaking of sitting out season, I feel like Doc Rivers would not get a job in the NBA, a coaching job. I I, I think he's going to take the year off. Um, if I predict right now, he's going to take the year off. He's literally going to take the year off. 
literally. And I don't know if that's, that's a, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in the league. A top 10 NBA coach, if I was making a list right now. Um, we, we, the passion and energy that he, he's brought on a daily basis in a regular season, not a playoff coach, a regular season coach is an un, un, unbelievable. And you got to understand back in 2010 when he was back in 2008 and 2010 when he had the Boston Celtics in, in, in the NBA finals twice, you had players who bought in. You had players who are vets who it was a different brand of basketball back then. And now you have to work on consistency with Nick Nurse. So the reason, uh, the other reason to say is James Harden. James Harden is once again a free agent and once again flirting was going back to Houston. Now, sort, that's a source saying that. But sources cannot be true. This is why I don't believe in sources. And they like to stir the pot. And when that pot gets stirred, they're going to force the player's hand. That's what we're going to do daily, right? James Harden is not going back to Houston, guys. If he's smart enough, he'll stay in Philly and work it out in Philly. Or else we can call him entitled. Because he has not produced in playoff games. He'll produce in the strip club, but he will not produce in a playoff game. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with strip clubs. There's nothing wrong at all. It's just that when your number is called, you gotta produce. You're talking about a game seven on the road. He only scored nine points. That tells me your mind is not in it. And that's why you got in B saying the things that he said. In the press, in the in the season press conference. So that's my word: consistency. You you're not going to um, you're not going to get anything outside of the superstar. You think Nick Nurse will get you to the finals just because he has one? You got to remember what got him there. Yeah, remember. What players he had. And the after effect. I don't know where this team's going to go. But whenever you hire a new coach, you can take a step forward or you can take a step back. In this case, you're in the middle. What about Tobias Harris? What about uh, P.J. Tucker? Well, you can't, you can't bang on P.J. Tucker. What about, yeah. What about Tobias Harris? We're still waiting for him to become that elite player. He has his moments. But with the new coaching staff, let's see what happens. I was hoping for Sam Cassell to get that job. But they don't believe in Sam Cassell's beliefs. And I talk about his basketball league. The man's been in the game for 30 plus years. He know, as a player and a coach, he knows his stuff. <laughs> He could have taken a head coaching job elsewhere. But now, he's in Boston, coaching younger dudes. And he'll do a better job over there 
that nah, oh, what he what what he was passed on passed passed on. I feel like he was looking look, trying to get this job, Phil 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 Sixers job. But you know, players, but but you know, ownership. They see a championship. They see an extensive resume. They're gonna hire the best. And in this case, this is skeptical to me. So, let me write this down before I forget. So, I think I said the first one. I said buy-in, and I said I said buy-in for Frank Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. I said engagement for Monty Williams, and then I'm gonna say consistency for Nick Nurse. I'm writing this down because I don't uh, so I don't forget after the show. Number four, Adrian Griffin. Adrian Griffin is the Milwaukee Bucks' newest head coach. He spent 10 seasons in the league, especially three with the Mavs, 14 years as an assistant. Uh, this This is, I'm glad he got this job. It's taking a step back from, from what you gotta remember is recently that Milwaukee won the championship. That's two years ago. And now you're taking a, a huge step back to hire a coach that has never been a head coach before, but yeah, he's been around the block. So I don't know what we're going to expect from Adrian Griffin. You know, you got Giannis, you got Brooke Lopez, you got Drew Holiday, you got Grayson Allen, you got Pat Conton, you got Chris Millington, you got West Matthew, you got Jay Crowder. That is one hell of a roster, guys. That is one hell of a roster. <laughs> That's and that is the best roster in the East. That is the they they literally won the Easter Conference in the regular season because they were number one, but they got bounced early. And now you blame on Mike Budenholzer. That's just a bad season. That's just a bad season. Like Giannis said, it was a failure, but you, but you gotta let these coaches fail, especially the good ones. Pop failed. Pop failed the season. Did he complain? No. He was honest and transparent with his answers in every press conference. But you fired, like I said, public pressure. Milwaukee wanted a head, wanted a, had a coach and they got one, Adrian Griffin. Something happened. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I can tell you his work cut out for him. So it's going to be a long journey. So I'm going to say journey for this next one because Adrian Griffin is going to a place where they got it already. They have. The best players in the league is just you got to be able to rotate them inside and out. Got to be able to what lineup fits best with this group. Giannis is the main catalyst. What works with him? I mean, I think the I think and that's journey is going to be the word for me. Because I think that it's going to take them a step back from what they're, well, for what Griffin's wanting. 
So you want to write that on Journey. <clears throat> journey will be my one. Number, number five, Jason Kidd. Oh, my gosh. This is the worst. I feel like Jason Kidd may not see a fourth season. Unless Maver- and the Mavericks win 50 games next year. And I say this because this team last year tanked. Well, not tank, but they 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 were just not good at all. And then you botched the last three games to get a number ten pick. How selfish do you have to be as an organization? You were within seconds of making the NBA Finals. If Andrew Wiggins' dunk over Luca did not happen, you would have won that game. And we'll be talking about you in the NBA Finals. I'm not sure if you would have won it, but you'll be in the NBA Finals. Momentum shifts every single year with the Dallas Mavericks. We don't know what type of team we're going to get every season. This is why in the last day or two, they've been flirting with the idea that Kyrie went to LeBron and talked to him about joining. Joining him was, was him, was Dallas. That's crazy to me. That is the stupidest thing I ever heard. And I'm not even going to believe it for one second that LeBron's going to come here and team up with Kyrie and Luka. That's not going to work. You can't have two superstars, well, actually three, on, 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 on one team. That's selfish. It never works. The Liberty, the New York Liberty of the WNBA are struggling with it right now. It's not going to work in Dallas. I don't want to believe that. People have to stop believing this. They have to stop. They did this for Kobe back in the 2000s. Rest in peace to Kobe. But Kobe never stepped an inch of Dallas. Never wore a jersey in Dallas. And now people are getting giddy and excited about Kyrie going to LeBron to talk to him about joining Dallas. For what? You don't need him. This team tanked uh, tanked the last three games of the season. And Jason Kidd had the audacity to be nonchalant in in the press conference and said, oh, well, it wasn't our year. It was. You just did not give a damn. And I don't know why I'm passionate about the Mavericks. <laughs> They're not my team. The Spurs are. But I'm so mad. I'm mad because you were there. You were right there last year. And you take a step back. You're supposed to move forward. You don't trade your best defenders for a guy that could leave. He may go to Memphis for, for, for all we care about. He may be the face of Memphis. And honestly, I wouldn't blame him for that. I wouldn't blame Kyrie. Kyrie makes his own decisions. I wouldn't mind him staying in Dallas for one more season. But when he's on the court, you're going to get the best. When he's off it, I don't know. Let him do his thing. At this point in time, it's is 50% basketball and 50% the other stuff. It's half and half with Kyrie. Let's be honest with ourselves. 
If you want players to be to to buy in 110 percent, that is heck. Luca's not buying in. Luca's 90 percent. Who else can buys in? Nobody on that roster. No, no. The, 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 the number 10 pick, whoever they draft, is going to be buying because he's used to it. He's used, he's coming to a team that got to the conference finals last season. But took a major step back. And now Dallas may, may never be relevant for a long time. And I mean that in the most positive way possible. So, to me, let's not talk about it. I'm done with that. My word will be, uh, my word will be survival. So, survival for Jason Kidd. So, survival. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> Number six, Ime Yudoka. He's the new coach of the Houston Rockets. Now, 51-31, his only season in the NBA Finals. Now, everybody knows the story of the scandal of was in the Boston Celtics organization. Okay? I want the man to recover from this. He did nothing, he did nothing criminal, criminally wrong. Let's be honest with ourselves. He did nothing wrong. The only thing is he got caught, right? He got caught with someone was in an organization, cheated. It's a story. Houston made that hire quick. And then on top of it, I'm going to bring Ben Sullivan. I'm going to bring Mike Moser and Aaron Miles. Remember Aaron Miles? He was at Kansas point guard back in 2000s, 2003. You know how I remember that? Because of basketball history. I watched him in Kansas. That man, they, the Celtics are young. Their, their group is young. <laughs> they are the youngest group. I guarantee you, no one is 50 years old in that organization. No one. It, it, until, until now. Now you hire Sam Cassell to be your lead assistant with the Celtics to help Joe Missoula out. That is the best hire that, that they ever made. This hire is good as well because you got younger guys that play the basketball, that play the game, and there's, they can, they can, they can go with that youthful environment. Now, the growing process starts. Now, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter have to grow up. It's time. It's time to get out of your diapers and get on the court and and make winning plays. Let's start winning again, Houston. I guarantee you, and I hate to bring this up, I guarantee you, Ime Yudoka is going to be that type of coach that wants to hang out with the players, whatever they do outside of the court, because Houston's that city. I've been to Houston. It's a fabulous city. I love it. Uh, the nightlife is crazy, but I do think that Ime will, will recover or will be the bigger person. He has to be, right? He has to be. And he will be. So my word will be growth because it's time to grow up in Houston. So growth will be that word for my coach. I want to cheer for Ime. I think he'll do a fabulous job in Houston. 
Number seven, Steve Clifford. This is a horrible uh, decision by Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan is the best player in the panic. And I see clips from people at work, which I'm trying to quit that job. And that's a different story for a different podcast. But um, Jordan has made the worst decisions ever. A great, phenomenal basketball player, no debate. But he makes the worst ownership decisions ever. Uh, James Rorego was was better in that Charlotte franchise. I remember, as young as I am today, I remember John. I remember Charlotte being that team, the Charlotte Hornets bringing that city back, the playoff games, Alonzo Mourning, um, Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman. I can go down the list. Baron Davis. Uh, Ricky, da- no, not Ricky Davis. No, Ricky Davis didn't play for Charlotte. I think he did. No. Now you have Lamelo. You have Terry Rozier. You have not even. Don't even include Miles Bridges. Uh, you have PJ Walker, Washington. Those guys have to lead. Siv Clifford is not a leader. Siv Clifford will get every job in the book because he's he's a good lead assistant, but he's not a fab of great head coach. You're not going to bring. Superstars to Charlotte. Charlotte has no ceiling. They need to find their identity. Identity is the key word. ID. Because they don't have it. It starts with the coach and it goes down to the players. So if you really want to bring this franchise back, you got to identify your players. You got to know what their best skill asset is. And Steve Clifford does not have that. Number eight. Taylor Jenkins, Memphis. He's been there all four seasons, 179 wins and 130 losses. He's undisciplined as a coach. He's undisciplined. He he allows his players to do what they want on and off the court. Now, off the court stuff he cannot control. I agree with him on that. But at some point... In time, don't you think you have to move on from Morant? Now, people were saying, people were giving the expectation of 30 games. If the NBA is going to announce this crap after the NBA finals, it's going to ruin everything. You're going to ruin everything for the players that are coming up. You're ruining, everybody's going to focus on the draft. <laughs> that not, there's not ever a better time to bring up Somebody's negative, negative nonsense. At some point, you have to find your leader. Leadership is one. It starts with the coach. I'm going to write down leadership. Because you got to find it. If Morant is, get, is, does this again, He's not only he's out of the league, you have to release him and to send a message to other guys that if you want to be part of an NBA franchise, you have to give up yourself. If it's even giving up your friends that you grew up in the past, you have to give up that part of life, that negative life. People say, well, he didn't shoot the gun. Oh, dude, anytime you hold some type of weapon, you have to pay the consequences. 
And I don't think a slap on the wrist, 30 games is a slap on the wrist. Anything less than 40, anything less than, well, eight less than the whole, whole entire season is ridiculous on my part. Cause he has not learned the lesson. John Moran has to find growth for himself. Go hang out with LeBron. Go hang out with Steph. Look at the guys that have been positive. Go hang out with Desmond Bain for man. He's your teammate. Go hang out with him. Steven Adams. The Memphis Grizzly spokesperson. Go hang out with him. And I'm talking about Steven Adams. He can protect you. Number nine. Well, okay, I did I did put leaders. Okay. Number nine, Chauncey Billups. Okay, um, I'm going to have a draft show next week. And Chauncey Billups needs to perform better on his coaching-wise. He's 60 and 104. D- dude, you don't know what you're up against. You don't know. You are oblivious to your job, Chauncey. You don't know. Dan could be out of there. Dan could say, I want out. Because if you're not producing wins, I want out. You have to be oblivious. Word, oblivious. Oblivious to your actions. At some point. At some point in time, you cannot be in the top ten, or better yet, the top five every single year. You have to get this right. I cheer for you, Chauncey. I want you to be a head coach for a long period of time. But if it's, even if it's trying to get rid, not even, I don't even want this guy traded, but even if it's trying to move on from Dame and make Anthony Simons your, 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 uh, the leader amongst the younger players that you're going to bring in, then you have to go with that. Dame at this point of his career wants to win. He wants to win. But if you're not going to give him that, you got to force his hand. You got to say, you know what? I want to be traded. And he has to accept that at some point. <sighs> Number 10, and my last and final point is Wes Unsell Jr., the Washington Wizards head coach. He has a 70-94 record in two seasons. The same record that they had um, in two seasons. He's missed the playoffs twice. He's having issues with players' healthy and leadership. As Bradley Bill, who, who cannot get healthy, and as Kyle Kuzma with his antics. Kyle Kuzma, you're almost 30 years old. You have to grow up. And this is the, uh, you cannot wait until you're late, in your late 20s to grow up. You have to take your leadership seriously. You cannot worry about the, me- uh, the Washington media coming after you. You have to just play ball, period. This is why this guy, Wes Unsel, would never have a job. Now they just hired a, a GM. Well, not, well, they hired a new GM yesterday, and now they have a team president. <laughs> um, that, that, here's another player that can't accept the trade, Bradley Bill. What is in Washington that you can build on, Bradley? What what is it there? There's nothing there for you. They're not building. Period. You got a seven three that can't stay healthy. You got another player that that is being inco- that that is inconsistent. My 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 word 
my word is <laughs> my word is downfall. They're downfall of a franchise. At some point, the owner has to come to grips and say, "It's not the coach. It's not the. It's not the coach. It's the players. The players are not going to accept the fact they are failing. They're saying they're they're big. They're better than you, but yet they can't get it right on a consistent basis." Downfall is my, my word because they're, they're just failing as a franchise. And this is a franchise that had Jordan in it. This is a franchise that had John Wall. <clears throat> Remember those days? They were making playoff runs. And now they're taking a, their downfall. They have to clean house and about to clean house if Wes Unso Jr. cannot get it right. If Bradley Beal cannot accept the trade. That he's value of that trade. He can be traded at any time. And I want that for him. I want him to go to, to a, a team that can allow him to play his game and not worry about the Washington franchise. It'll be there, but somebody else will control it. But we just got to see what happens with, with these teams that that think that these coaches can lead them anywhere, can lead them somewhere. Because they can't. And maybe midseason we can revisit this and let's see who, who got fired. Or better yet, who can keep their job after the the next season and beyond. But I want nothing but the best for these for these coaches. But it doesn't hurt to take accountability. Taylor Jenkins. But that's my list, guys. But next week, we're going to not only we're going to recap game three, game four, and game five of the NBA Finals. We're going to recap. We're going to talk about the draft. I have ten players that I watch that you need to know of the NBA draft because it's draft season. I don't want anything to take away from these players that are going to the NBA. I don't want John Morant's announcement come before the draft. If they're saying after the finals, Adam Silver said that. I don't want it to come before the draft. Because the one question that ESPN will ask the commissioner or any uh, Memphis uh, staff, uh, uh, it'll be Malika Andrews, you're going to ask it when these players are going to be drafted. You're going to ask at the wrong time. And I don't want these players to be taken aback from their moment. We got to appreciate their moment before Jaws. That's all I got to say. But that's next week. Top 10 draft players that you need to be heard of. I'm not even going to talk about Wimby. As a matter of fact, I'll start the tape on Wimby and see how great of a player this guy is. And maybe... Well, actually, in in the other podcast, which will be my two-year anniversary, we'll talk about that. But I want to thank Angela for stepping in and manning the board. Appreciate that, as always. Uh, and prayers to Sammy as well. Hopefully she's doing great, and we will see her soon. But other than that, everyone, 
We'll see you next week. Uh, have a great day and enjoy the NBA finals and enjoy the softball finals as well. So I don't want to forget about the ladies. Okay. I'll never forget about the ladies. So good luck to Oklahoma. Good luck to Florida State and take care. It's beyond the game podcast on fishbowl radio. Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Genty Show, broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Genty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Podcasters and internet radio hosts, it's time to take your show to the next level. Hi, my name is Sammy G, a 30 plus year radio